Now, as we've uh, just been reading about uh, about Samson, uh, his last chapter, the, the sort of the climax, if we can call it, of his life. As I was preparing this, I was I was minded of uh, when I was a, a young child, my um, one of my mum's sisters, uh, Auntie Helen, came to live with us right up till I was about seven or eight before she got married and got her own house. And um, the thing about Auntie Helen, which we, my brother and I uh, liked, was that she took us to the pictures. And uh, that was a great treat. But th- there was a catch in, in, um, in going to the pictures with Auntie Helen, because Auntie Helen was a, a very religious woman. And when she took us to the pictures, it had to have a religious theme. So... For my brother and I, there was no Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon, no Zorro, no old Mother Riley or or cowboy films. It was the Ten Commandments or the Nun story or um, Inner the Six Happiness, the the life story of the missionary Gladys Airwood. But there was one film that I remember had taken us to. I've never seen it since, but some images of it stuck in my mind and it was... A film called Samson and Delilah. And we were taken to see this, um, this, this film. And later on, when I was uh, doing my A-levels and did English literature, I did um, a play like what's called a closet drama based on a Greek tragedy theme. But it was Samson Agonistes by the, the godly poet John Milton. So the story of Samson Delilah has um, stopped me over these years. And so this is one of the reasons I thought, well, perhaps I should share this, this, um, this chapter with you from the Bible. Now, as we know, there's a, a pattern in, in Judges, isn't there? It starts off where people uh, respond to God's blessing by going away from him, by sinning. And then God punishes them. And they respond with repentance. And then when the people are repentant, God sends them a temporary and an imperfect deliverer or saviour. And Judges recounts a number of those. And they don't come much more imperfect than Samson. And he was... As we to read, actually, if we just turn to chapter 13, verse 3, we see right at the beginning, he says, this is um, before he was born. And um, an angel of the Lord appears to his, um, well, to me, his mum and dad, appears to, the, to his mum and says to her, indeed, you are barren, have born no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean for behold you shall conceive and bear a son and no razor shall come upon his head for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines so he was to be one of these judges well the next three chapters see a progression, a downhill progression for Samson. 
He broke his Nazarite vows many times. He touched a dead body. He went to wine feasts. He, um, which was a command to all uh, people of Israel. He got entangled with foreign women. He to the marry one. He, he courted prostitute, Philistine prostitutes. And of course, right up to this chapter, he gets involved with Delilah. But one thing that uh, we must remember about uh, uh, Samson, and we, it's easy to forget this when you, when you read this catalogue of failures and sin of Samson. He was a man of faith, and we read that, didn't we, in Hebrews. And another thing that most people remember about him was that he was a very strong man. And God linked it in to the length of his hair, not having his hair cut, that Nazarite vow. Of course, it wasn't just because he had long hair. It was a sign of God's power and God's um, using him as a deliverer of uh, the people of God from the Philistines. And we know that he's strong from previous chapters. And right at the beginning, we see a, a display of his strength when he goes into a prostitute. The Philistines think that they've got him. They close the gates and then circle him. And they think, right, well, we've defeated him at long last. But what does he do? He picks up the gates and the gate posts. And he reckon they weighed about a thousand pounds and um, carried them 40 miles uphill just to show how strong he was. But this morning, I just want to bring two simple lessons for us to consider. The first one is that when we are strong, we are weak. And secondly, when we are weak, we are strong. So when we are strong, we are weak. When we are weak, we are strong. So let's consider the, the first principle. The, right from the time of Joshua, um, as the, the people of Israel uh, were to settle in the promised land, they were commanded, do not marry or become entangled with people from the pagan nations. And it was um, sensible advice, wasn't it? You know that, uh, and we know that that was born out in practice, you marry or get involved with um, uh, pagan nations, you bring in their false gods, their false practices, their false values, and gradually the people of God and their testimony becomes impure and it becomes tainted. Well, Samson obviously was having none of that. And right from the word go, he, he broke those vows. And if we turn to Judges 14, Verse three, we, it's summed up really in here, isn't it? He, he, he demands that his mum and dad let him marry a Philistine woman. And his father and mum said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said, seems to be his principle in life, said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. So, Basically, if he saw something that he wanted, he liked, he didn't think about God's rule, God's commandments, God's will. He just went ahead and went after it. He was completely with um, what he saw 
in, in, in his life. That, that was his determining principle. If he liked it, if it felt right to him, if it was right in his own eyes, he went after it. Well, the latest in the line of uh, women, there's a, another sort of theme in a way, the uh, line, the consistent line in Samson's life up to this point was that he, he obviously hated the Philistines' men. He killed many of them, a thousand with the jawbone of a donkey. He made fun of them, but he hated the men. But he seemed to be besotted with the women. Couldn't keep his hands off them. And his latest was Delilah. And it says at the beginning of the chapter that he loved her. What that meant um, in Samson's case, who knows? But she, he was stricken by her. And um, Delilah, for her part, um, sees an opportunity to set herself up for life because the Philistine lords come to her and say to her, look, we will give you, each lord will give you 1,100 pieces of silver if you can find out the secret of Samson's strength. Why is he so strong? And you tell us we'll be able to deal with it, be able to nullify it, and we'll have him, and he'll be out of our lives, not causing us all this trouble. So, Delilah approaches him, he approaches Delilah, and there's a game that goes on in those verses. Now, the thing is about games, which I have to tell my one of my grandchildren when we're playing snakes and ladders, is that there's only one winner, and there are losers. Only one person can win. And Samson is confident that he's going to win this game with Delilah. He's thought to himself, past victories, I'm untouchable, you know, I'm strong in myself, uh, terrified of me, these Philistines, what have I got to fear? God didn't come in to the reckoning. Anyway, so he knows what Delilah's game is, but he thinks he's going to win. And she says to him, tell us your secret of why you're so strong. And he first of all says, well, it's bowstrings. And it's not bowstrings. You know, you can't uh, contain him. He breaks the bowstrings. Then he says, oh, no, it's not bowstrings. Oh, you know, it was rope. He said, if you tie up the rope, if the Philistines come in, I'm all theirs. I've got no strength at all. It's not. And then he says, oh, well, you know, and he gets a bit near the truth here and it shows you how self-confident, cocky he had become. He said, well, if you braid my hair to a loom, that'll be it then. I'll be done for. The Philistines can do what they like with me. So she does that. Of course, Philistines come and he breaks out of that. And that's not the answer and she pouts doesn't she delilah she said oh samson he's told me you love me you don't love me you're just making fun of me and he gives in he tells her that it's the secret that god's empowered him and that he'd been told never to cut his hair and he tells a secret maybe he just thought that still I'm so strong, I don't need God, I can, I can get rid of these. Any situation involving the Philistines, I can get out of it, I'll be okay. 
But Delilah, she was deceitful, she was manipulative, and she was persistent. And, well, we know what happened, don't we? While he's asleep, shave off his hair, and God departed from him, and he captured him. And we'll go into that a little bit later. But why, at this point, why did he give in? Why did he, he tell Delilah the secret that God had given him? Well, I think the first one, which we've touched on already, is that he had pride in his own might. I'm strong, you know, I'm invincible. Look at all these things that happened in the past. I ain't killed a lion. Never mind those gates and the post and killing all those Philistines with a jawbone of an ass. I'm, I'm untouchable. You know, that's, um, I'm really quite, not only strong, but I'm clever. I don't need God. He had pride, proud of his own strength and might. But secondly, he was dominated by lust, the lust of the flesh. I've said this before, what he saw, he wanted. If he was hungry, he just acted, even though touching, breaking the Nazarite vow and touching a dead body. He thought of no one but himself. And I'd only thought of this really as I was preparing it, but how his parents must have grieved right from getting that promise from God and seeing what a disappointment as their son got involved with the Philistines and departed from God's law. And the never mind the special practices demanded of being a Nazarite. And I think the saddest verse in this chapter is verse 20. Let's just read that. It says, the Philistines took him out, put out his eyes. Oh, sorry, it's the one before that. Yeah, uh, Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before other times and shake myself free. Did not know that the Lord had departed from him. What a sorry plight. But that plight was a mirror of Israel at that time. Israel had been given all those benefits, all those blessings, privileges. And they'd rebelled against God. They'd gone after false gods. They'd become entangled with them. Entangled with sin. And he didn't even realise how godless they had become. But it's a mirror of ourselves and can be a mirror of the church, of our of particular churches, local churches. We've been given, as Christians, many blessings. But often we become entangled with earthly pleasures, with particular sins, and they take God's place. And we don't know that God has gradually been marginalised in our own lives. It's true also of those who listen to this who are unbelievers. We have been given many privileges, given each day to, to live. But many things. But we don't consider God. We go after false gods. We go after other things that give meaning to our lives. Money, pleasure, or work or whatever. Replacing God. But God has not finished with us. If we're Christians... We must repent and return to God through Jesus. If we're unbelievers for the first time, we need to come 
to ask for forgiveness for our sins in the Lord Jesus Christ and trust in him. Now, before we finish that, that first part, it would be remiss of me to, to not focus on something particular about Samson's life. And that is the presence of, of sexual sin. It was a cause of his falling, the overt cause of his falling. He, it was a build-up, wasn't it? You know, he right from the beginning, he wanted to marry a pagan woman. He went into Philistine prostitutes. He, it caused him to be in, involved with Delilah, and there's all that build-up to it. He nurtured his love for foreign women, uh, forbidden by God. He gave in to sexual temptation. And as I said, leading to this situation now. And it's a sign for us, really, that um, it is a strong tool of Satan in some sexual desires, wrong sexual desires, whether it be through pornography, watching things that we shouldn't watch, or, or um, sort of flirting with the opposite sex, um, and with, with unbelievers, or if we're married with other other women, and that it can lead and has led, as we're all too aware, to, to to grievous consequences for our family, for our church, the people we know, and for the testimony of our faith. Well, many writers stress this this sad nature of uh, of, of Samson. He was so benefited by God and went off the rails gradually but at the end so dramatically now I talked about that film now in those days when um, there wasn't all the TV advertising and things like that and computers um, film posters were very important to advertise the film and when this particular poster went up uh, some of the posters had as it billing see Samson and Delilah the most expensive haircut in history. Now, obviously, that's very tongue-in-cheek, but it's not far off the truth, is it? In this, Samson lost his freedom as a result of his sin against God. He lost his sight. He was eyeless in Gaza, as Milton says. He lost his dignity. He became a mill grinder and the most menial jobs that you could get. He lost his testimony as being the deliverer of God's people. And he lost, as we know, his strength. He cuts a poor picture. He becomes a figure of fun. He's paraded in this feast, a celebration to the false god Dagon, who appears now to be in charge. What an insult. It looks as if the Philistines have won. Now, I mentioned before Milton's book, um, it's drama, Samson Agonistis, and he was a believer, Milton, and he sees what the scripture really seeks to convey in this, in this chapter, is that yes, he becomes physically blind, but for the first time, he, he, at that point, he becomes, he gains spiritual sight. He loses his physical eyes, but he gains spiritual eyes and in verse 28 of uh, chapter 16 we see Samson cr 
crying out to the Lord. It's only the second time, in fact, that it's recorded. They actually did cry out to God. But it was a, a sign that this flawed, proud, faithless man was turning to God, that he was in repentance, becoming the man of faith documented in the book of Hebrews. And, and perhaps pictorially in verse 22, we, we, we see after his capture and um, his, um, his eyes being taken out, we see that the signs of that, uh, of, of that faith, that regeneration um, in it, it says in verse 22, however, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Or we don't think of that, that God was, was doing a work in his heart. Well, that's a great comfort to us, isn't it? When you think of, um, of, 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 of Samson and his early life, that being cast down, as Samson certainly was, didn't mean that he was cast off. So what did he do? He, he asked this young lad in this uh, feast, this party that's going on, to lead him to the supporting pillars. In verse 29, verse 30, explain what they did. He gets in and he... He has um, puts is between the two pillars and pushes them out, and the whole place comes down, killing Samson, but killing more Philistines than he killed during his life, and that was quite a number, wasn't it, of uh, Philistines that he'd killed in his life. You see, the thing was with Samson at this point, he realised he didn't want to be bound. By the Philistines. He realized his calling from God that he'd been given even before he was born that he was going to be a deliverer of God's people from the Philistines. And it hadn't happened. In fact, the opposite. These Philistines now, full of anger towards Samson, felt completely in control. That they were the ones that were being favored by their God, Dagon. He realized Samson, his ministry was not complete and it finishes uh, on a, 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 a note where basically I think the the surviving remaining Philistines thought we have had enough of this Samson you know um, they, they were defeated and they just get his family and say just take him take his body we don't want to see him again just get him out of our nation and out of our nation's lives so while Samson felt strong, independent, self-confident, he was very, ultimately extremely weak. But when he realised his weakness, it's at that point that God made him strong. And it is only when we are in Christ, depending on him daily, that we are strengthened. Paul says it, doesn't he, in 2 Corinthians Chapter 12, verse 10. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Are we trusting in God daily? Or are we not in the dramatic way of Samson's life, but are we in our own way, just getting up in the morning, living our lives as if really we're in control, that we don't need God. We don't perhaps even know that God has departed from our lives. Well, if so, let us turn to him in repentance 
and faith and depend on him. It's strange, really, that such an imperfect saviour, deliverer as Samson, in many ways points, as all scripture does, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's consider it. He was bound. He was humiliated. He had no friends with him. He was on his own. He was crying out to God. And then, in his death, he crushed God's enemies. But as we started with the faithless Samson to the man of faith, let us finish with our perfect saviour, who through the Holy Spirit empowers us in our daily walk with God. Amen.